Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Well, welcome Celebration family. I want to thank you so much for joining us for this online worship experience, even during the midst of some of those difficult times you've ever experienced. That in itself is a tribute to your faith and your trust and confidence in the Lord. I know many people are going through lots of distress and discouragement right now. Uh, some of you are scattered all throughout the South, not just Southeast Louisiana, but all throughout the South. Some of you are trying to get back to your homes, waiting for electrical power, all those kinds of things. Some of you, when you get back to your homes, are finding uh, big issues. Like I found when I got back to my home, I found that a lot of my ceilings had collapsed and a lot of water in my home. But I want to remind you, in the midst of all this, there's hope and help for our lives. In fact, one of my scripture readings today was from Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, where the Bible says that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in times of trouble. We discovered that verse to be true back in 2005 when we had to deal with Hurricane Katrina. We discovered that truth to be true back in 2008 when we had to struggle with Hurricane Gustav. We, had to, we felt that, found that principle to be true back in 2012 when Hurricane Isaac uh, inundated the homes in St. John Parish. And we found, we're going to find that truth to be true as well and this, in our climate, in our culture, in this current situation that we find ourselves in. That God is, that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in time of trouble. By the way, all four of those hurricanes I just mentioned all happened on August the 29th. And so it's my belief that we ought to remove August the 29th off the calendar and not ever have to worry about those things again. But we are dealing with that right now. In fact, let me just pray for you. And then I want us to learn, look together into God's word for help and encouragement today. Lord, I don't know all that people are going through, but I know they're facing some of those difficult times in their life. They're needing direction. They're needing help. They're needing fuel. They're needing uh, insurance money. They're needing provision. They're needing all kinds of things. And here's what I know, God, that you are our refuge and our strength and a very present help in time of trouble. And so may we turn to you, trust in you, and experience from you your provision, uh, your blessings upon our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today I want you to take your Bible or Bible app and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And by the way, as uh, you're turning to Ephesians 3, I want to just thank the great Bayou Church of Lafayette, Louisiana, Pastor Sean Walker and his staff for allowing us to film this service. They've been great friends over the years and certainly great friends to us now. Now, uh, I was uh, looking at song titles the other day. And I saw there was a song by a guy named Jason Gray titled, These Are the Best Days of My Life. Well, somebody asked me, are these the good days in your life? I said, these are not the best days of my life, nor are they the best days of your life. One week ago, Hurricane Ida began battering southeast Louisiana, came in at Port Fouchon with 145-mile-per-hour winds, went up all through Lafouche Parish, impacted Orleans and St. Bernard Parishes to some degree, and had an even greater impact on Jefferson Parish and the River Parishes. Now, some amazing things happened on that day. Uh, one, it was amazing that more people didn't die from Hurricane Ida. There's less than 10 so far that I'm aware of. Where after Katrina, we had over 1,700 deaths in our region, which means uh, there's some blessings. There's a silver lining in the midst of this cloud. Another amazing thing is that Hurricane Ida destroyed the energy electrical grid and left uh, uh, one time a million people without power, still a lot of people without power, and the prospect of rebuilding our homes and our lives without electrical power for an extended period of time. 
the questions on my mind is what are our options considering the circumstances we find ourselves going through? One, we can give up and retreat into a shell. Two, we can, uh, use, we can drink or use drugs and try to uh, medicate the situation. Or three, we can try to say we're going to move away and never come back. But if you take that option, then you're going to miss out on the great food and the culture that we have here in South Louisiana. Another thing is that we can be bitter towards God. But I discovered a long time ago, uh, like Jacob discovered, wrestling with God is a losing proposition. Or here's the third thing we can do. We can pray and trust in the Lord and see how God can work mightily in our lives and for our lives and through our lives to bring his help, hope, and healing to other people in their lives. And that's the thrust I want to take today with today's message. Ephesians chapter 3 is our text. And we find the apostle Paul praying. And this is what he prayed. He prayed, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and everything on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able. All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, when Paul wrote these words, when he prayed these words, he was not sitting in some comfortable chair in an air-conditioned home enjoying the best things of life. He wrote these words that have inspired so many people over the years uh, from a prison cell, from the famous Mamertine prison that was one of the most desolate prisons and uh, difficult prisons in all of, uh, of all of the world at that time. He was in that prison not because he committed some kind of crime. He was in that prison because he had been faithful in serving the Lord. He had been faithful in living for the Lord. and He had been faithful and fervent in proclaiming the good news of the Lord. And he was facing death when he wrote these encouraging words. Which reminds us, uh, this whole thing reminds us that sometimes uh, the, the worst things can happen to the best of people like we're experiencing right now in southeast Louisiana. But in the midst of his dire circumstances, Paul was praying, which is what we all should be doing right now. He was praying, but he was not only praying for himself, he was praying for others. And in the prayer that Paul prayed, we find some principles and some truths that will encourage us and strengthen us and enable us to go forward in our day and time with the circumstances we're facing. Here's what Paul prayed. To begin with, Paul prayed, and I'm praying, that we will be strengthened by God's Spirit. He prayed that we will be strengthened by God's Spirit. He says in verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. In other words, these uh, believers he was praying, writing to at this time uh, were facing great challenges. They were facing lots of persecution. They were facing hardship. There, uh, there was actually a plague and pandemic going on around about that time. And uh, they were facing great obstacles and great opposition in their life. And, and they needed to be strengthened in their life, just like we need to be strengthened right now in our lives. Let me ask you, how many of you need some physical strength right now in your life? 
I can mention I've been gutting out my home for the last couple of days. And I start out in the beginning of the day feeling like I'm 30 and at the end of the day feeling like I'm 60, man. And I'm thinking, man, I need more physical strength in my life. Uh, how many of you ever need emotional or spiritual strength in your life? We all do from time to time. And Paul prayed that we would be strengthened with power through God's Spirit in our inner beings. Uh, because he knew that when Christians are strengthened in their inner beings by God's Spirit, we will have the power to overcome those obstacles and opposition. We'll have the power to overcome our doubts and our fears and our frustrations in our life. Let me ask you, do you ever struggle with doubt, fear, or frustration? Lots of people are struggling with doubt right now. They're doubting that God really cares about them. They have doubts about whether or not they're going to be able to make it. Lots of people are also struggling with frustration. They're frustrated because they don't have electricity, because of the damage that was brought to their home by Hurricane Ida, because they can't get fuel, because it's seemingly not feasible for them to be able to take care of their home and take care of their family and go to work and all those kinds of things. And then lots of people are struggling with fear right now. Fears regarding the present situation that they find themselves in and fears regarding the future. I'm asking you, do you ever struggle with doubt or frustration and fear? The answer is we all do. But here's what the Lord said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He wrote, he says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, those are encouraging words from the Lord. You know, I've discovered that doubt and fear and frustration is oftentimes the determining force in our lives. Two men were hunting in the jungle and came to the tracks of what appeared to be the largest lion in the jungle. Uh, one hunter said to the other, you go that way and see which way the lion went, and I'll go the other way and see where he came from. That's oftentimes our approach when we're dealing with doubt and fear and frustration. We want to run away from the challenges. We want to run away from the difficulties. That's usually oftentimes what people want to do. But to become all that God wants us to be and experience God's best and blessings in our lives, we've got to be willing to face up to those challenges. We've got to be courageous rather than cowardly. We've got to be strong rather than weak. We've got to be strengthened with God's power in our inner being. Well, how can that happen? How does that happen? Uh, well, overcoming our challenges requires our lives to be characterized by inner strength, like Paul was talking about. Uh, when he says be strengthened in inner man, that includes our reason, our conscience, and our will. You see, the Lord wants to strengthen our reason so that we can be less at the mercy of our emotions and passions and instincts and desires. Anybody besides me ever been at the, uh, at the, uh, at the mercy of your uh, instincts or your desires or your emotions? We've all been there. Let me ask you, where did that get you? Or how, what did that, how, how, how did that help in your life? People don't make good decisions like that. Uh, the Lord also wants to strengthen our conscience so we can be more sensitive to his will and better able to discern right from wrong. And the Lord wants to strengthen our will so we can have the inner courage to follow through on the things our reason, conscience, and the Lord tells us to do. When the Holy Spirit strengthens our inner person, that's when we're able to uh, overcome the challenges, the obstacles, the problems of our life. Here's what I find a lot of people doing right now. Instead of turning to the Lord, they're relying on their own strength. They're relying on their own ability. They're relying on their own intellect. They're relying on their own ra rationalization. They're, they're trying to figure out things with their finances, all those kinds of things. Uh, it's good to do those kinds of things, but that's not enough. We must have an inner strength that comes from the Lord if we're to face and overcome the great challenges we're facing right now. Uh, Paul wrote also in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our outer, though our outer man is 
is decaying. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. It's only as our inner being is renewed by the Lord that we can overcome these challenges we're facing right now in our life. So overcoming our challenges requires uh, our lives being characterized by inner strength, and we will have the inner strength that we need when, our, when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know, I've seen people go through lots of heartache and tragedy and difficulty and challenges in life. And sometimes I wonder, how can people face all these challenges uh, uh, apart from the Lord? I really can't understand that. But I also wonder, how can people challenge, face these challenges even when they have the Lord in their life? I don't know about you, but I, I would hate to face what we're facing right now without the presence and direction of the Lord in my life. Two men one time were looking up in an airplane, and one guy had never flown. He said, I'd hate to be up there in that airplane. The other guy said, I'd hate to be up there without it. Lots of people trying to make it through life right now, trying to deal with the, the issues we're facing and as a result of Hurricane Ida in their own strength and ability. But God wants to give you the inner strength that you need, and he does that through the presence of his Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible teaches that we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives at the moment of salvation. The moment we pray to make Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins to transform our life. And the Bible tells us if we'll turn to the Lord and trust in the Lord, the Holy Spirit will give us supernatural power, which leads to supernatural direction and, and supernatural ability and supernatural strength so, so we can overcome every challenge, every difficulty we're facing in our lives. See, we don't have to face the problem by ourselves. We've got the Holy Spirit to help strengthen us in our inner being. One time, a little five-year-old girl, to just learn how to tie her shoes for the first time. That's a, that's a big uh, accomplishment in the life of a small child. But as soon as she finished tying her shoes, she burst into tears. And her parents asked her, what's wrong? Why are you crying? She said, now I can tie my shoes all by myself. Her parents said, that's good, honey. That's good. She said, no, that's bad. Now I'll have to tie my shoes all by myself for the rest of my life. Well, the good news is, if you're a Christian, you don't have to do anything all by yourself. You don't have to repair your home or make decisions or figure out how you're going to make it all by You've got the person of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in your being. And I'm telling you, you might not be enough, and I might not be enough, but the Holy Spirit is always enough. So Paul prayed that we will be strengthened by God's Spirit. He also prayed that we would be submitted to God's Son. Look at what Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.17. He wrote, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him and your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, Paul was not praying there that Jesus Christ would come into their hearts, the hearts of the Christians there in the first century. They already had the Lord in their hearts and lives to so the person of the Holy Spirit. But he said that Christ will make his home in your heart, his home in your heart. You see, God wants us to have a deeper and more fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ so that the Lord always feels at home in our hearts and lives. So what does it mean for the Lord to feel at home in our hearts and lives? It means that uh, the, the Lord ought to feel at home in the attitudes of our lives. One time a secretary was leaving her office to get married and, and the boss said, well, you've been like a daughter to me, insolent, Sur surly and unappreciative. Have you ever been insolent or surly or unappreciative? Lots of people are seemingly being like that right now. In fact, uh, a radio host and sheriff of Jefferson Parish have had to beg people on the air to be kind and to be patient and all those kinds of things. And, and listen, nobody ought to ever have to tell us Christians to be like that because the Bible, God's Word, always already told us that. In fact, Paul wrote in Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be the same 
as that of Christ Jesus. Whether you're going through a hurricane crisis or you're not going through a hurricane crisis, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was Jesus' attitude like? He was always humble, always caring, always willing to put others first, uh, always willing to be a servant. He was always forgiven of others. He was always uh, desiring to fulfill the will of the Father in heaven. Jesus should fill at home in our hearts, and he will when we have the same attitude that he has. Jesus should also fill at home in the attitudes of our lives. What kind of actions characterize Jesus' life? What did we find him doing when he was here on earth? The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around, he went around doing good. Somebody asked me the other day, what should I be doing? I can't really do anything because there's no power. And I said, well, do what Jesus did. Go about doing good. Walk down the street and ask your neighbors, can you help them with their home? Uh, uh, help people tarp or gut their home. Go outside of town and buy some gas and bring it in to others. Uh, prepare a meal on your grill. All the food that's uh, uh, thawing out and, and invite your neighbors over. Our lives like Jesus' lives, whether we're in the midst of a, a crisis like we're going through or whether we're not, should be, should be characterized by good actions in our lives. Jesus should feel at home in our attitude and actions. He should feel at home in the ambitions of our lives. And Jesus should feel at home and the affiliations or the relationships of our lives. I mean, this is a time to draw near to the body of Christ. This is a time to, to, to hang out with people who love the Lord, who are seeking to live for the Lord, all those kinds of things. And, and here's what I want to tell you. We are a family here at Celebration Church. So find other members of the Celebration family and see, I mean, how, let's talk together. Let's spend time together. How can I encourage you? How can you encourage me? And if we do all those kinds of things, the Lord will fill at heart in our attitudes, our ambitions, our actions, and the relationships of our lives. I read a poem one time that said, if Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, how would things change? You know, Jesus is always in the house. He's always in our lives in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul prayed that we would be strengthened by God's Spirit and we would be submitted to God's Son. And then thirdly, he prayed that we would be saturated with God's love. Listen to these words again from Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 19. He writes, then Christ will make us home in your hearts, as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, Paul uses two words there in verses 18 and 19. He prayed that Christians would understand the love of God and that Christians would experience the love of God. That Christians would comprehend, seize, or take possession of the love of God. And that Christians would know or experience the love of God. And then he describes the love of God that we need to know and that we need to experience. First of all, Paul tells us that God's love is inescapable. He says in verse 18, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. The other day as I was cleaning out my home, I got out a tape measure to measure some things that I know I'm going to have to replace. And, and, and I wonder what, I'm thinking to myself, what can we, can we measure with this tape measure? Well, it's Paul here speaking of the breadth and the length and the height and depth of God's love. What do those dimensions mean? 
uh, breadth or width tells us that God's love is wide enough to accomplish every, to, to, to encompass everyone in the world. Red and yellow, black, brown and white. We're all precious in his sight. God loves all the human beings of the world. Uh, the reference to length tells us that God's love lasts from eternity to eternity. It's an everlasting love. The reference to height uh, refers to where we are in Jesus Christ, where God has brought us and where he's bringing us to. And the reference to death reminds us God, uh, God sent Jesus to die on the cross and, and to rescue us from the horrors of hell. Paul declared that, that God loves us in incredible, in, uh, in, in inescapable ways. He also tells us that God's love is inexhaustible. He says in verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ so it's too great to understand fully. In the New King James Version, Paul says uh, God's love surpasses knowledge. It doesn't mean that God's love can't be known at all, uh, but it means we can never fully understand it. And it tells us that God's love is incarnational, that God's love and power can be experienced in our life on a daily basis. He's telling us that God loves, with, God loves us with an unconditional, inescapable, inexhaustible, incarnational kind of love. Sometimes we need that to demonstrate to us, and sometimes we need to demonstrate that to others. When we go out and serve people and help people like we're doing at a relief center, man, we're showing the love of Christ, the love of God. When people help us as well, they're showing the love of Christ. I remember after Hurricane Katrina, I heard this story from a nurse who came to our relief center at that time. She had been in the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina when the lights went out. And for those of you who know the history of what happened, some horrible, terrible things happened there in the Superdome. In fact, what she saw and experienced left her so broken that she became really bitter toward the Lord. Eventually, she was put on a bus and transported, I think, to Houston. And when she, on the way there, she was just mad at God. She said, God, I can't believe what I've seen. I can't believe what I've experienced. I've heard people tell me that you love me. I've heard Billy Graham tell on television that you love me. But after what I've seen and experienced, I don't believe that you love anybody. In fact, if you want me to believe that you love me, you're going to have to show me in black and white. Those are her exact words. She got off the bus in Houston, walked into a relief center there. Somebody handed her a blanket along with a, some other supplies as well. She went to lay down in the corner, un, unfolded the quilt as actually a quilt, not a blanket. And someone had stitched into the words of that quilt, God loves you. And this woman who had vowed never to return to New Orleans came back to serve uh, the people of our city later on because she had experienced the love of God in powerful and tangible ways. I want you to know, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter how difficult life is, God loves you with an inexhaustible, inescapable, unconditional, never-ending kind of love. Paul said, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Now, why does Paul want, why did Paul pray that Christians in the first century would be strengthened by God's spirit and submitted to God's son and saturated with God's love? He says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He was saying, when you understand that you're surrendered, you can be surrendered to God's spirit and submitted to God's son and saturated God's love. You'll have the strength that you need to make it through the most difficult, challenging times. He says, now all glory to God. This is Ephesians 3.20. Now glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Paul begins with the assertion, God is able. 
It means that God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. That in itself should give us hope and security. But he goes on to say, God is able to provide everything we ask for. That's certainly a great expression of God's adequacy in our lives. He goes on to say, God's not only able to provide all we ask for, he's able to supply anything we can even think about. I don't know about you, but I think about a lot of things, but God's able to match what I think about. He's able to do all those things. God's able to supply everything we need to respond to everything we ask, about everything we've ever thought about, yet there's more. Paul said that God is able to go beyond these things. He's able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever ask or think. In other words, he's saying there's nothing too big for the Lord. There's nothing too great for the Lord. There's no challenge too big for the Lord. I remember after Hurricane Katrina, when we were faced with some great challenges in our church. We'd, uh, we'd had both of our campuses that we had at that time had been flooded by the waters of Katrina. They had been totally devastated. Our people, 60% of our members had been displaced to other cities and states. We were having, basically having to start all over again. And the gap between our flood insurance money that we had and the, what it was going to cost to rebuild anything, everything, was going to be about $15 million. We didn't have any money. We didn't have enough people. We had nothing, but we had God. I remember on the first Sunday, we came back for an in-person service. I stood before the people, and I said, here's the good news. We've got problems. He said, here's the, here's the deal. We've got problems that we can't fix, but they're not our problems. They're God's problems because this church belongs to the Lord, and God is able. And it certainly was. He enabled us to not only rebuild everything we had lost. He enabled us to grow and, and to go from two campuses to now eight campuses and ten congregations here in the New Orleans region. I'm telling you, God is able to do incredible things. He's going to do incredible things this time. If we'll just turn to him and trust in him and believe in him and serve him and live for him, I mean, what Paul writes in this prayer will come to fruition in our lives. Now, I think about what happened after Hurricane Katrina. Those were the greatest days of our lives. And in the St. John Parish area, after Hurricane Isaac, those were the greatest days of ministry in those times. After Katrina, we, were, we had 5,000 people a day coming for hot meals. Another 1,000 people a day were coming for food, water, clothing, uh, all kind of other products. And, and so, uh, we prayed for everybody who came through our lines. In fact, one time an agnostic came through the line twice in one day, not for more supplies, just so we could be prayed for again. We saw people healed and saved and delivered. and We saw people helped in so many ways. All of that was a catalyst for the growth of our church in the months and years that followed. We saw God work through our people to bring encouragement, help, hope, and healing to others. Not just through our people, but to other people that came from around the nation to help us. In fact... Uh, one of our teams came from Nashville, Tennessee, and they were involved in helping a single mom who lost everything because of the waters of Katrina. Uh, they were able to get in and help her gut out her home, clean out her home, and, and get her back started with her life. A year later, they returned to work with us again and wanted to see how this single mom was faring. And, and they discovered she was doing pretty well. He went to her home, and, and she had replaced her furniture, insurance, and other things that helped her to do that. She had, she had, she, her life was back together. Because she lost everything, she only had one picture on the wall of her home. And it was a picture of that team from Nashville that had helped her rebuild her home. And attached to that picture uh, was a and cardboard, was a word that said hope. She put a hope there uh, in the corner of that picture frame. And she said to that team, every day when I leave my house, I look at that picture of you folks, you Christians who came from Nashville, Tennessee to help me. And I know 
I know there's hope for me and hope for my children, hope for my city because of people like you. Here's what I want to tell you in the midst of this difficult, challenging situation. There's hope for us and the people of our city. There's hope for us and the people of our city if we'll be strengthened by God's Spirit, if we'll be submitted to God's Son, and if we allow the love of God to flow into our lives and through our lives into the lives of others. I'm telling you, there's nothing that God cannot do when we turn to Him and trust in Him. So say these words with me. Repeat them after me. Say, God is able. Come on, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this service, say, God is able through His mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Come on, say that again. Repeat those words after me. Say, God is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. When we're strengthened by God's Spirit, submitted to God's Son, and saturated in God's love, we will know that God is able to help us overcome every problem, every difficulty, every challenge, every obstacle, every opponent that we face in our lives. We've seen Him do it in times past, and we're confident He's going to do it again as we put our faith and trust in Him, and live for Him, and serve Him, and work together for the glory of God. Paul writes these words now, all glory in the church. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. I'm telling you, God is able to take every tragedy we go through and turn it around and use it for our good and for others' good and for His glory. Let's trust Him to do that this time like he's done in times past. Now, I want you to bow with me right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one looking around. I want to tell you, I mean, these are wonderful truths that we find in the Word of God. But they're only truths for people who really know the Lord. Not just people who know about the Lord, but people who really know the Lord. Let me ask you, do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? And do you know that, do you sense the presence of the Lord in your life? Do you know that you're not having to deal with this catastrophe all by yourself. But the God's Spirit is with you because God's Son is in you. If you're not sure right now with their heads bowed, would you just pray with me? Say, what do I pray? Just pray these words and really mean them. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And today I'm asking you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and begin the process of transforming my life. Fill my life with your presence, your peace, your love, your joy, and the power to change power to trust you, to be strengthened in my inner being, to be submitted to your Son, and to be saturated with your love. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want you to go to webcc.info to our digital worship guide and check off I Pray with the Pastor. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord in some way, you can do that. Also, if you have any prayer requests for yourself or for others, you can share those prayer requests there. And know this, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, more above all that we ask or think when we put our faith and our trust and our confidence in Him. And listen, if we're here for you, if there's any way we can serve you, help you, pray for you, don't hesitate to call on us. Uh, you can connect with your campus staff or you can connect with us at celebrationchurch.org and God's going to get us through like He's done in times past. And at the end of it all, we'll be better and stronger and healthier and holier and happier than we've ever been. 
Let me just pray for you as I close. Lord, thank you for the incredible people of Celebration Church who always seem to rise to the challenge, who answer the call to, to live for you and serve you in difficult times. Thank you for the people who are already volunteering to help others, Lord, who are not stuck in their discouragement or depression, but they're rising up to serve you with their time and their talents and their ability. Thank you for those who are working to feed people and tarp roofs and stuff like that. But thank you for those, Lord, who, who haven't had the opportunity to do that because they're working on their homes. Thank you for their faith in you and their trust in you. And Lord, we pray in the coming days, we would see our faith rewarded and that we would see you work mightily and miraculously in and for and through our lives in greater ways than we've ever experienced, in greater ways than we've ever envisioned. I mean, we're facing great challenges at Celebration Church. But like I said on the first Sunday we met back after Katrina, I said, God is greater than all of our problems. And if we put our faith and trust in you, we'll see you do incredible things in and for and through our lives that will be anything beyond that will be far beyond getting anything we've ever experienced ever envisioned help us to do that help us to hold up one another help us to pray for one another help us to encourage one another in six months from now i think we'll all be able to look back and say look at the mighty and miraculous things god has done in and for and through my life in the name of jesus we pray amen if you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.